I'm preaching today, the title for my message today is uh, Joseph and Prospering. I'm preaching from the book of Joseph, which is actually quite fitting uh, on Mother's Day because it's my mum's favorite uh, story in the, in the Bible. And it also happens to be mine as well. Um, <clears throat> for those of you who don't know the story, uh, I'm sure you all do. I don't want to waste too much time on this. As my dad's told me, I've got 25 minutes exactly. And if I go over, he's going to come up and stop me. So uh, I'll try and keep to the time. Uh, but basically, he was a uh, favorite of his uh, father, born, and his brothers didn't like him, um, eventually sold him into slavery because they didn't like him. He uh, ends up being really uh, blessed in everything that he does while he's in Egypt, has a bit of a setback, goes to prison, comes back out, becomes the prime minister of Egypt, and saves a nation, in a nutshell. And um, what I really want to focus on this morning is one particular verse, because we're going on a series about money, and I think often you hear the word prosper, or being prosperous um, in relation to money. And I want to look at what it means to be prosperous in our endeavors, in our, particularly our vocational endeavors at work and things like that. So and I think we can learn a lot about how to prosper from the life of Joseph and from Joseph's attitude. But... Before we do that, you need to understand, or I want us to look at what the Bible means when it says prosper, and why do we prosper, and what is the purpose of us prospering. So the verse today is from Genesis 39, uh, sorry, Genesis chapter 39, verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. They were the Ishmaelites who the brothers had previously sold to him a couple chapters back. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Oh, sorry, no. uh, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of the household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care, and with Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. It's an amazing verse that you find right in the middle of the story of Joseph. And um, what it really highlights is the theme of the book, of the story, sorry, of Joseph. And the central theme of the story of Joseph is simply this, that the Lord was with Joseph and he prospered. The Lord was with Joseph and he prospered. And um, can I just say, as, as Christians, the, the default state of our lives is that we also prosper because the Lord is with us. If you have Christ living inside of you, if you are a Christian, if you're a born-again Christian and you're saved and renewed by the Spirit of God, your default position is that you will prosper. And what's wonderful about the story of Joseph is it's a, it's a partial fulfillment of the, of the Abrahamic promise that we see in 12.3. Um, all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. That's what God says to the people of Israel. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. 
So we've got the central theme of the story of Joseph, that the Lord was with Joseph and he prospered. And then we've got the story of Joseph itself, which is a fulfillment of God's promises to Abraham, which is that everybody in the world will be blessed through the people of God. And one thing I want you to grasp just right at the beginning of this sermon is that we are made prosperous. Our default position is to be prosperous, not just for our own benefits. In fact, not even primarily for our own benefits, but so that the world and the people around us may be blessed. Because, I mean, we're all going to heaven one day anyway. And, you know, that's our reward. But actually, we can have a massive impact on the world and the people around us by bringing prosperity to them through us, through what Christ does in us. So when we talk about prosperity here, it's often used in an unfortunate way. You have things like the prosperity gospel and all these different ideas about prosperity. One idea that I really want you to focus on, a very healthy way of looking at prosperity, is that we are made prosperous to benefit those around us, to be a blessing to those around us. All the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. And according to Galatians, we are all heirs to the same promises. Every single promise you see in the Old Testament towards the Israelites, towards Abraham, we all, if you're in Christ, get counted into that. And so it's our mission, it's our goal, it's God's promise that we prosper not just for ourselves, but so that we can bless the people around us, whether that be in your workplace, whether that be as a mum to your children and to the people you meet, whatever it might be. It is our default position to be prosperous in order to bring prosperity to those around us, which I think is a great promise. And we certainly see it in the life of Joseph. Um, <clears throat> so what did Joseph do in particular? Because I... I Although our default position is to prosper, there are things that we can do to help bring about prosperity, um, not only in our own lives, but also in the lives of the people around us. And I just want to pick out, I've got three, but I'm not sure I'll have time, maybe two things that I've noticed from the story of Joseph, from the life of Joseph, uh, that we can do, or attitudes we can have, that uh, will help bring prosperity to our lives and to the people around us. And the first one is attitude, Joseph's attitude. Uh, my uh, mentor and pastor in America, uh, Lawrence Neeson, who I lived with for a year, he always used to say, you, you, you know, Joe, your, uh, your attitude determines your altitude. Your, <laughs> your attitude determines your altitude. Uh, that was one of his phrases that he always used to say, and you've probably heard it said a lot before. Um, <clears throat> and I've often mocked him saying that in front of him, but it's actually a very true a very true statement. Uh, your attitude does really determine your altitude. And um, <clears throat> Joseph chose to, service his, uh, to serve his master diligently without grumbling. Remarkably, he was able to maintain an attitude of gratitude and positivity when his circumstances came about as the result of a betrayal by those who were charged with his protection. You see it throughout the story of his life that in everything he did... He was diligent and he worked hard and he had a positive attitude. I don't, I don't believe he could have been successful, as successful as he was, had he not kept an, a positive attitude and kept his eyes on God rather than deciding to be negative, bitter, and, and to grumble and generally just feel like, oh, woe is me, 
I have been betrayed. I think it's natural. Any one of us in here uh, would naturally feel like we had been hard done by and that we had been, if we'd been betrayed, if you'd been betrayed by your own brothers, sold into slavery, I think it's fair to say we would all say it's reasonable for you to be upset about that for the, for the uh, entirety of the time that you are in slavery. But Joseph didn't have that attitude. Instead, it says that every, in everything he did, the Lord blessed him and that he worked diligently, that he found favor in the eyes of his master. Not only does he do it uh, initially when he's in Potiphar's house, but then also in prison. Again, the same thing. Now, for any of you who've ever employed anybody or ever worked with anybody, you'll know that it's very difficult to find favor if you have a terrible attitude or if you have an attitude of um, woe is me uh, or if you're someone who complains. So I don't believe that Joseph was that. It never tells us specifically what his attitude was, but I think we can uh, take a good educated guess that he was somebody who had a very positive attitude and an attitude of not woe is me and life is hard, but, but an attitude of I am where I am and God has got my life in his hands, so I'm just going to be diligent and faithfully serve him. So how do we get an attitude like Joseph's? How do we keep a more positive attitude in our workplaces? Maybe you work somewhere where uh, it's very difficult to stay positive, um, or circumstances right now in your life make you feel like uh, you, you, know, you, you don't need to be positive, you don't need to have a good attitude because things have gone wrong. It says in the, here, Philippians 4, 8 to 9, Paul's final exaltation to the church is, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if, it is in any, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learnt or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I'm not always someone who has a positive attitude, but I desperately try to do so, especially when I go into work every day. And one of the ways that I do that is I, often on the drive into work or when I'm just sat in my room in the morning, is I start to think about all the good things in my life. I start to think about all the good things God has done for me, and I start to thank God for all of the good things. And... You may be going through a difficult time in your life, but I guarantee you there will be things in your life that you can focus on that are positive, that are praiseworthy, that are true, that are noble. And I begin to reflect on those things and rehearse those things in my mind. And almost like magic, all of a sudden my mood starts to change and I start to feel better. My attitude is changed because I'm, I'm starting to be thankful. And the other way... And my wife tells me this, is, this always happens with her as well. Whenever we, whenever we start worshipping or praising or even listening to worship, which is a form of thankfulness anyway. Um, and in fact, in the verses before this in Philippians, it talks of thanksgiving in the sense of worship. Uh, when I do that, when me and my wife do that, it, makes us, it changes our attitude. It, it does something in your spirit. And if you're able to do that every day, you will help the people around you prosper. You will be the bl a blessing to all of those that you meet every single day. It's very easy to start to think that we don't make a difference. But every single one of us in our everyday life have a chance to change the world and make the world a better place. Um, and it's through little things like that. It's through having a positive attitude. I just want to illustrate this quickly. There's a, um, a TA at our, uh, my work who works in our department called Lisa. Lisa's great. She's um, one of these, you know exactly where you stand with her. And um, she, she doesn't beat around the bushes, and she's very often very blunt 
and uh, she's just great. And she, um, she said to me one day when I was just sat down, it must have been a couple of weeks ago now, she said, she said you know what, Joe? You're one of the only reasons I, I carry on working here. Every single day when I see you, I'm always guaranteed that you're gonna make you're gonna cheer me up because you always you always ask me about how I'm doing. You always seem like you're so positive and you're so happy, and I just feel like there's just something different about you. How is it that you always said so I don't know what it is, but you always just lift my spirits? And I was like, wow, that that's not anything to do with me being amazing. That's entirely God working through me. My wife will tell you it's not anything to do with me being amazing all the time. It's, me, it's because I've made the choice to have my attitude changed by God and um, to focus on the things of God and the good things. And it's actually impacted the people around me that I, that I work in. And many of you will have, will have similar stories. Maybe you've not been told about them. But when you choose to have an attitude of thankfulness, of gratefulness, of looking to God, you change the environment around you and you actually make people prosper around you. And that's what Joseph did. I do the same thing with my year 11s when I go into the... I go, I'm head of year 11 at Caster, and I, so I've got to go around the forms every morning. Well, I don't have to, but I do. And um, build relationships with my year 11s. And w- w- the thing I always do, I go into every form every morning and I say, I look around and I say with a very big smile on my face, how are we all doing on this wonderful day? Uh, and then I ask, start asking students, what are you grateful for today? Give me something that you're grateful for today. And I'll go around each form and pick on them. They hate it. Um, but I'll ask them, what are you grateful for today? And um, at the beginning of the year, they used to just grumble and, you know, come up with these layman answers like, oh, life, you know, and my breakfast or whatever. I was like, great, that's good. And now, um, but now when I go in, they all know it. They all know what to expect. And I walk in and I go, how are we all doing this wonderful morning? And now several of them all go, we are doing amazing, sir. And they've all, you know, they've sort of, they've caught on and they, they do the same. And then they're starting to come up with better answers for why they're grateful. And, you know, there is something about your attitude and about getting a right attitude of positivity and choosing to think and reflect on good things that is infectious to the people around you and ultimately makes their lives better. To have somebody at my work say, you're one of the reasons I've carried on working here, that's amazing. And there's nothing that I had planned or anything. It's totally God working through us. And we all have the potential and the capacity for that. And Joseph did that as well. So I think one of the keys to Joseph's prosperity and helping those around you prosper is to make sure you get your attitude right. And the way we do that is by thanking God for all the good things. The second key, I think, to Joseph's success um, in terms of prosperity and prospering, the second thing that made him prosper was his absolute uprightness. Joseph was a man of incredible integrity. Integrity was his mode of operation. Um, Even when he was in the worst situations, he still maintained integrity. Now, this is not me preaching what I practice because this is an area where I struggle. There's often times when I think, I'll just cut this corner or I'll just I'll do the easy road because it's easier. It's my, it's my natural inclination, unfortunately, my personality to sort of break the rules or cut corners or sort of interpret the rules loosely. So this is as much a preach to myself as anyone. Um, <clears throat> in a world that encourages us to cut corners, interpret rules lo- loosely, and read between the lines, this can seem counterproductive. Sometimes we think telling the odd white lie or cutting the odd corner or doing something the easy way rather than the right way is the most straightforward path to success. 
and to prosperity. Joseph didn't have to tell his dad the truth about his brothers. Nobody ever thought about that. He came back and he gave a bad report because they were misbehaving. He didn't have to do that. He could have made the, the road easy for himself. He could have told a white lie, saved face, just said, yeah, it was okay, Dad, so that he kept the peace. But no, he had, he had integrity, and he didn't lie. And um, it's interesting when you look at the, the story as a whole of, the, of Joseph, it's always absolutely clear about how he, in every situation he was completely upright in what he did. Um, in the long run, if you really want to be prosperous and bring prosperity to those around you, then acting up, uh, with uprightness as best as you possibly can is key. It's so easy to think taking the shortcut is actually what's going to get you the most success and bring success to those around you. Um, <clears throat> what's interesting about this principle of integrity is that not only, not only does it bless you in the long run overall when you choose to have integrity, both in the workplace and, and in everything you do, but actually it has an effect on the people around you and it can actually change the state of a company, of an organization, even a nation, when the leader or when someone within that nation chooses to act with integrity and faithfulness. Let me give you some examples. It says in Deuteronomy 28.1, And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. If you obey the voice of the Lord your God, blessed shall, be, blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall, you be, shall be the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of the ground, and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds, and the young of your flock. Achan and Ai, when uh, the Israelites were fighting, uh, Achan had um, not acted with integrity and he'd kept something back from, from God, uh, from a previous victory. And as a result of one man's failure to act with integrity, an entire nation lost a battle. Could it be that if we, as people, as individuals working in the workplaces that we work in, or doing what we do in our everyday lives, whatever that might be, could it be that if just one of us chooses to start acting with integrity with what we're doing, that God could start to bless that company, that organization, that place? Because as far as I can tell, that's what the Bible's saying. And in the same way, when you don't act with integrity, as Achan did, it can also... Um, lead people around you away from prosperity. So if we want to be bringing prosperity to the people and to the places that we interact with, we need to have integrity. Uh, maybe you're self-employed and you feel like you wouldn't bring enough in if you didn't, uh, you know, sort of not always declare the certain taxes that you, that you make. Uh, maybe you're in a job where it's very easy to cut corners, um, even though if it's maybe ethically a bit dubious because that's the only way you can get the job done. Can I challenge you this morning to act with integrity and start doing things the right way, not the easy way, and challenge God on how much he might 
make you prosper and the people around you prosper as a result of you acting with that integrity. Good example, uh, Chick-fil-A is a company in America, they're a fast food company, and they um, had this, the guy who founded it, he was a very strong Christian, and he, he had this conviction that actually it wasn't right to be open on a Sunday, that for one day at least of the week, this big, huge fast food corporation should have a day of rest, as it points out in the Bible, should not serve every single day. And, in the, and because they've stuck to that, it's interesting, you look at the, the, the success of Chick-fil-A, they make more money than any of the other biggest fast food chains in six days than the others do in seven being open. There's something about God helping us prosper when we choose to have integrity and choose to stick to our conviction. Um, Joseph's narrative gives expression to the part of the promise found in, in Genesis 18, 19. That, and this is what it says, that they may do righteousness and justice so that the Lord may fulfill what he has promised to Abraham. There is something about being righteous, being upright, having integrity. And it says it right there in Genesis, right from the beginning of the promises of God to his people. And it includes us. That when we do righteousness and justice, the Lord will fulfill what he's promised to us. I'm not saying that if you've made mistakes before, or that if you sometimes slip up or make a mistake, that that's it, and then the promises of God are gone over your life, or that God's not going to make you prosper. That's not... That's not what it's saying. What it's saying is when you do choose to have integrity, when you do act with absolute uprightness, even in the face of temptation, which Joseph faced a lot of, when you choose to act with uprightness, with righteousness, there is something about that that helps fulfill and usher in the promises of God over your life. So maybe you've had promises over your life. Act with integrity. Act with integrity and see what God does. So how do we have more integrity? How do we act more upright? How can we do that? It seems like an impossible task. One interesting thing I found out about the um, story of Joseph is that in the book of Genesis, Joseph is the only person, the only character in the entire book of Genesis who is described as being one who is filled with the Spirit. You don't find it about anybody else in the entire book. There's a lot of people in the book of Genesis. He's the only one who's described as being filled with the Spirit. And Part of that in the Old Testament, when you read it, that means someone who is upright. But also I think it's about having, uh, I think the application for us today would be that we are people who are regularly filled with the Spirit. If you look at the fruits of the Spirit, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. When you've got those things going for you, it's a lot easier to act with uprightness. And so one of the ways that we can be more uh, or acted with more integrity is to make sure that we are regularly being filled with the Spirit of God, which means spending time with Him, means praying, um, asking Him to fill us up every single day. Again, another thing that I struggle with often. But I know that when I do spend time with God, it's so much easier for me to act right. It's so much easier to have integrity when I've spent time with God. And if we do that, we become more of a blessing to the people around us. Uh, I'm not going to go on to the last one because we've got five seconds left. Um, <clears throat> the last one I was just going to say was to understand that setbacks happen and it's not always our fault. And um, maybe you are in a terrible work environment like that. My sister had a horrible time at that. Joseph was in prison for some of estimated 30 years. 
Um, so maybe you're having a terrible time at work at the moment. Maybe your health is poor. Maybe there's been a breakdown in relationships and you don't know what to do. Maybe your marriage is struggling. Maybe you are being accused of something that you've not done. Whatever it might be, there are, some, there are setbacks. The Bible never promises us that we won't go through struggles. In fact, it almost assures us that we will. But what are you going to do in the face of these struggles? Are you going to have an attitude that Joseph had to be faithful, to have integrity, and to still have a good attitude? Or are you going to grumble and moan and blame God and everyone else for the things that have gone wrong? Because ultimately, God's promises are true and faithful in the long run, even if it doesn't seem like it in the moment. Okay. If the worship team could go back up, please. Just to summarize what I've just said to you, Our default position as Christians is to be prosperous, and the reason why we are to be prosperous is to bless those around us and to bless the world around us. That was the point of Israel, that's the point of us now as Christians. And we can do that in a real way, in ways that we can help to be prosperous to the people around us, is number one, to have an attitude of gratitude and of thankfulness. Number two, to act with absolute integrity as best we can. And number three, to remember that we will have setbacks, but to keep going. Um, I just feel like uh, God wants to pray for some people who have perhaps uh, gotten a bit of a hard heart um, and perhaps have started to feel that actually God doesn't have good plans for you in your life and that God is never going to make things better. And that you've and you've almost hardened yourself to that to the point where, you know, it doesn't. When people pray for you, whatever it might be, you just nothing's given. You just still feel like, nah, it's not going to work for me. It's not going to happen for me. And if that's you this morning, I just feel like God really wants to uh, melt some of these hearts and melt some of the barriers that we put up around our hearts. Um, I also feel like God wants like to pray for us, um, pray for people who are having a hard time at work at the moment. Because it does happen. And sometimes it's very difficult to have a good attitude. Um, But God can help you by his spirit. He can help you. So if you feel that any of those two things relate to you, whether that be you feel that um, you almost have this sense of doom and that God's never going to change things or make things right, and you've almost become callous to even meeting with God's people because you just feel, nah, Nothing's changing. You're just sort of going through the motions at this point. If that's you, God wants to break that today because it's not his plan or his purpose for your life. And then if you are having problems at work or feel as though there is a sense of unfulfillment or that there's a real setback in your vocation at the moment, whatever it might be, then I would love it if you came to the front and the prayer team will come and pray for you. And I think that's it for me. Thank you very much. Over to you, worship team.